Okay, we are live on LinkedIn. I'm joined by Ben Jabawi, who is the CEO and founder of Privy. Privy is the number one app on the Shopify store. Ben, welcome to another episode of e-commerce on fire. Why don't you give us an intro on who you are and your story to date? Hey, Adam, pumped to be here. Huge fan of your content and Magnet Monster. Uh, so, so I'm the founder and CEO over at Privy. We are a email marketing solution and more for small brands that are selling online on Shopify, Wix, others. Um, I'm also the host of the daily podcast, e-commerce marketing school. So go check that out. A lot of nuggets on, on tactics on how to grow your store. Um, but yeah, Privy as a, as a business, we, we support a couple hundred thousand stores. Uh, we offer things like pop-ups to grow your email list, to cross sell and increase average order value email marketing automation and text marketing automation as well. Good stuff. So let's dive right into one of the core features of Privy, which is obviously uh, what you guys became known for, I would say, the lead gen pop-ups. Now there's many suggested best practices and I know this is a question that's been done to death, but let's go over some of the best practices, take it back to the beginning for e-commerce stores. and. Also in regard to the follow-up conversion rate and timings, page scroll, extintent, et cetera. Let's say you're a new business, e-commerce business, where would you start and what have you seen to be the most effective? Yeah, so I think just for, for people that are new to all this, um, you know, if you log into your, your Shopify store and you look at your store's conversion rate, it's probably somewhere between one and 3%. Um, and so, you know, these are people that are on your store very few of them end up buying and, you know, the rest leave, right? 98, 97% leave. Um, so, you know, the idea of like growing an email list and the way that you do that pop-ups work really well is about building a relationship that you own with the customer so that you can use email marketing as a way to educate them about the product after they've left, bring them back to the store and close the sale, right? Whether it's the first order or repeat, et cetera. Um, and pop-ups are a great way to do that because like historically you used to just have to like leave it up to fate and wait for them to scroll all the way into your footer. Yeah. And just nobody does that. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, platforms like, like Privy especially make it easy to control these things, to design them. And there's all sorts of ways that you can trigger them. So that's kind of what you're getting at with your question about timing, scroll, et cetera. Um, the way that I think about the world is to, to think about different use cases and audiences um, and make sure you're putting something relevant in front of them. So just to keep it simple, you know, the playbook that I recommend for customers is the first I call is a, a welcome offer. So someone hits your store, give them a couple seconds, see how far they scroll down the page. And what I recommend is hit them with an offer um, when they're, you know, five seconds in, or if they've scrolled 75% of the way down the page. And, you know, what is an offer? It could be a content download about, you know, the quality of your products. It could be a, a coupon code. It could be an offer for free shipping. Um, it doesn't need to be huge, or it could be, you know, enter to win a, a, a product giveaway that you do monthly, something like that. And that's kind of focused on the top of the funnel. Um, yeah. New visitors, these are not subscribers. They've never ordered. Um, and if they leave, you have no idea who they are. So that's kind of top of the funnel. Um, I think it's important to give them a little bit of time and let them show some intent um, before you do it. And then, you know, the other kind of little nuance that I like to do is sometimes people get hit with a, a pop-up and they, 
they, uh, they close it out, they're just not ready. And then they have no way of getting that offer back. So we've yeah. got this little thing called a tab that you can add that um, lets the actual visitor, you know, re-engage at a moment mm -hmm. when they're ready um, if they initially kind of turned it down. And those, those convert really well in that like welcome offer use case. And this is with like the fly out on the mobile, I assume you're referring to. Um, th that's actually a tab. You can put it on anything. Um, yeah. and, and it's like, it could be a little dialogue box. It can be stuck in the corner. It can be, you know, attached to the top or the bottom of the site. There's a number of configurations that you can add to your pop-up called a tab. Um, the other use case, and then I'll get to the desktop mobile stuff in a sec. The other use case that I, I think is really valuable um, is kind of not focused on new visitors, like like the welcome offer, but but focus on people that are a little bit further down the funnel. It's what we call the cart saver. And so this is the idea that um, you, you've got a non-subscriber who's added products to the cart, got a certain amount of money in the cart, right? So this they're like further down that funnel and they're about to leave, right? So you're detecting how much is in their cart and the fact that they're about to leave. And that's, that's the cart saver. And you can kind of give them one last ditch effort to, to capture that lead and, and close that sale. And that's another really in, like high intent opportunity to, to build your list. So I find that like all the tactics of timing and page scroll and exit intent, um, none of those things really matter. I mean, they do, that's how you execute it, but it's really about like finding the right group of people to put something in front of that is yeah. gonna be relevant for them. That's a very important point actually, because I think one of the old misconceptions and when you say pop-up people think of them in a way that disturbs the customer journey but the way you portray it it actually enhances not only the conversion rates but it's better for the buyer as well because it helps guide them and make better decisions yeah for sure i mean even this cart saver um use case like that that's going to help you build your list from people that are most interested and it's actually going to help you prevent uh, ten percent of carts from going abandoned. So, yeah. really valuable stuff that that, like you said, adds value. Yeah. So let's let's talk about some of those more advanced features because obviously um, it's not just about top of the funnel. There is also cross selling that you've rolled out with Privy. So, what's some of the low hanging fruits for new customers that are coming to the site for the first time, and also returning customers as well? Yeah. I'll give you an example. Um, so if I'm at uh, the grocery store of my daughter, she's 40 years old, um, and we're we're waiting in line to check out. She's standing there and she's looking at the, the candy that's displayed right next to the checkout. And she says, oh, you know, she calls me a bottle. She says, oh, can I grab, can I get one of those? What are those? You know, and that's, that's a cross sell. So basically the idea is when someone is about to check out on your site, are there other items that are relevant that you can put in front of them and make it easy, like single click for them to add that to their existing order? Yeah. And the whole idea here is, you know, uh, it's a way for you to increase the average order value. And so what we did with Privy is we said, hey, we make it easy to design these things, whether it's for list growth or actually driving sales. And yeah. um you should be able to design and control them from the same place. And so that's what Privy Cross Sell is all about. Um, you can design something, you can pick up what products are in the cart of that person, more importantly, which are not, and you can easily help them add something um, to their cart that wasn't in it. And I think, 
you know, um, for, for most people listening, I think like maybe this is new to them and I like to, to keep things simple in the beginning, but the way that I would come up with, with a good cross sell, if I was doing this myself would be to say, Hey, what is my most popular product in my store? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and then I would say, I, I designed something and I would target it to every person who has product in their cart that doesn't have the most popular product. And I would just have a, a simple little kind of fly out or pop up that says, hey, you know, people that like those also like this, click here yeah. to add that to the cart. Um, and, you know, that's just a really easy way to get started with cross sales. What I like about that as well is that you can probably be a bit more generous on the margin because you're adding bigger bundles together, which will increase the average order value. So you don't have to necessarily portray your store, which I know a lot of the merchants are worried about is having excessive discounts. You can, like I said, boost that average order value and do it in a strategic way that's very profitable to you actually. Exactly. And actually with a cross sell, like I, I recommend starting without a coupon. Like there's no need there, yeah. you know? Um, I think I think you should just try it without it because this is this is someone who's like about to check out and you know, it, it, in many cases, it's a no brainer to add the suggested product that goes nicely with it, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's a, a really powerful use case. One other I wanna share too that I think is really interesting is, um, you know, we talked a little bit about cart abandonment. One of the biggest reasons for abandonment is, you know, hidden shipping costs, right? Yeah. That you realize later in the funnel um, when you're about to check out. And there's nothing more annoying than that, right? Um, and so there's this kind of like concept of um, dynamic shipping bars is what we call them or a free shipping bar, some people refer to, which is like another kind of use case that you can unlock using Privy that we've, we've found our merchants to, to have a lot of success with. Yeah. Um, it's just something, you know, like a cross sell, like a list growth effort um, that, that we recommend having, which shows someone, hey, based on where they are and how much is in their cart, how far away are they from earning that free shipping threshold? Yep. Yeah, Dylan agrees. He says it's all about extra net dollars made on the first time customer, especially whoever can pay the most for a customer wins. Completely agree, especially when you consider the cost of acquisition. This seems to me like such a overlooked feature that you can set up. And I always say these really small changes that you make to your store compound to massive differences, even if there's a 1% uptake on this. Over the course of a year, like how much does that add to the bottom line? It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, hey, Dylan, what's up? Thanks for listening. Um, yeah, I was just on uh, on a call uh, with uh, a customer of ours, and he was telling me that uh, a lot of these small tactics over his first 15 months are what helped him get to a million in sales. Yeah. Um, and a lot of these are just concepts that you know, he had no idea what they were. He's not like an e-commerce expert. Um, yeah but he he just like did the basic stuff um and and i looked at his account and it's not even that advanced but yeah um, some of these basic techniques a lot of people overlook and they really do drive tremendous value yeah completely agree just get the basics uh, the fundamentals in place and it does make a massive difference over time 
I know, obviously, I said we're going to talk about some of the biggest email marks and mistakes that e-commerce brands make. So once you've got people onto your list, but obviously you've rolled out SMS for Privy as well. So we might as well amalgamate both questions into one and talk a little bit about each. So yeah, what are some of the biggest mistakes you see once you've collected that email or SMS? Yeah, I, I think it starts right away with how you confirm an opt-in. Yes. I see this all the time. Um, I think that there, there's, believe it or not, and maybe maybe some are listening, and it's okay if this is you, but a lot of people, um, a lot of people grow an email list, and they don't do anything, and they wait until you know November rolls around and Black Friday, and then they just start blasting the list, and yep. um, that's just not how you do it, right? So. If, if you're if you're growing your email list or your SMS list, like it starts with how you confirm that opt-in while they're still on your site, right? We call it a little thank you page. Design that, you know, deliver on the expectation. If you offered a code or or you know free shipping, like make it abundantly clear while they're still on your site how to access that. But yeah. also assume that they're leaving your site, right? And so send an immediate um, welcome email or welcome text just kind of confirming it. I, I don't think you need to be doing um, like a double opt-in email, but just send something immediately, right? It sets that expectation. Yeah. Um, if you promise something, deliver it immediately. But I think that's like, you know, that's probably the number one mistake I, I see people make is just not confirming the opt-in properly. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I'm, I'm a huge fan of of email and, and automation specifically for, for email or text. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of kind of newer store owners go right into broadcasts and that's, that's fine. Yeah. Like that's a great way to launch new products and, and generate, you know, healthy revenue. Um, but I think this concept of automation, um, it's really easy to execute no matter which platform you're using, certainly within yeah. Privy, but, um, these like targeted use cases, they're just going to be helping you essentially meet the different customers that you have or the leads that you have where that person is in their buying journey, even if, you know, it's three o'clock in the morning and, and you're asleep. I completely agree. It's very interesting, actually, what you just said there about setting the expectations and campaign and automation. One of the things um, I must say we've been guilty of, and I've I've sort of really doubled down on this this year is I've been adding custom properties to anyone who joins a welcome flow or a post purchase flow. And then I've been excluding them from the campaigns. So I think if you look at the way these automations are set up, it's done in a very specific manner to let the customer pass through the journey. So I would rather leave the campaigns until they've passed through those flows and got the first impression that I've wanted. Um, and I don't, it, again, it's just something that I realized when, I've been making a few purchases from some brands recently and I've been whacked so hard with campaigns in between the welcome or post-purchase flow. And it was such a negative experience that it made me realize like maybe I need to be a bit more patient with our clients and go back and really look at the customer journey, which I don't think a lot of people do after they set this stuff up. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, I, I recently just had an experience uh, in my own you know, online shopping where that I think really like um, exemplifies what you're saying. So I, I placed an order for a product. Four weeks later, 
it still hasn't shown up. Yeah. And in the meantime, I'm getting, you know, three or four uh, like broadcasts from that, that brand yeah. um, announcing promotions, right. And yeah. coupon codes. And, and that's fine. I, I get it. Like that's an important part of, of marketing. But I think like, just like you were saying for people early on, there's also like a couple other exclusions you want to consider from your broadcast. One would be like people who have ordered in the last 30 days and the fulfillment um, is still open, right? Yeah. Like probably yeah. want to stay away from that. So yeah, I think there's, you know, there's a couple simple things that when you think about it as just like a human and, and you buy yeah. online, it really makes it easier to approach some of these automations and segmentation and all that stuff. Just treat the customer like a human and not like a cash cow. I agree. Rod yeah. says, um, discover Privy's two-step feature lately. One, ask for email. Uh, step two, ask for mobile number and segments. Quite interesting. Nice, Rod. Yeah, that's a that's a good play. Yeah, the intersection of email and text, I think, is really interesting. Um, you know, you could certainly have have a form and ask for email and text in the same um, a lot of people are afraid of doing that. We have seen a lot of success in doing that still, believe it or not. We thought the, the sign-up rates would go down, certainly waiting for like the conf confirmation page of the email to ask for um, text, yeah. like Rod is saying, has worked really well for people. Um, the other thing I think that's important about using a, a single platform like Privy to um, control all of your opt-ins is you can actually look for people on your site that have already completed forms for email. You can wait for them to come back or wait for them to do a certain amount yep. of purchases and then hit them with an opt-in. And you can tar you yep. can be specific. You could be like, hey, thanks for being a loyal subscriber. Yeah. Right. Yep. Um, we're also offering, you know, VIP specials on text, right? And that's the type of stuff that when you control all of this from one place, um, you can really unlock a lot of magic. I completely agree. Very overlooked and we've been guilty of it as well. Sort of set it and forget it. You want to go back and look at these things constantly and find ways, especially with returning customers where most of your profits will come from of making sure they're treated well. So Samuel, I think is referring to the um, example you gave early on when he said, um, when you said, sorry about the, the million in revenue for this new customer. Did he use Privy? I assume so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Samuel, good question. So yeah, he's using Privy for uh, conversion on his site and for email marketing. Um, and his playbook was, uh, you know, he had like a spin to win display cap, uh, focused on new visitors. He had a cart saver focused on middle of the funnel. Um, and then he had a welcome series. He had post-purchase series. He had a... Um, a win back series, uh, card abandonment series, and he was sending probably yeah. a broadcast uh, every week, once once a week. Just the fundamentals. Question from Barry. Barry's one of my clients actually as well. Um, is SMS available in Ireland in the UK yet? Uh, no, <laughs> not yet. Asking, everyone's asking of every single software company this question at the moment. Yeah, I know. No, not yet. Just just here in North America. I'm actually really interested to get your opinion on this as well. Uh, we've not only looked at this as a um, lead gen technique, but also something to be more sophisticated with retargeting customers, being more specific on the customer journey and just providing better experience for them. 
What's your opinion on quizzes? Uh, will we reach quiz fatigue at some point as more and more brands adopt them? But I think that's a very good question. I'm already there on quiz fatigue. Yeah. You know, I, I, th I think they're a fantastic tool in the toolbox. I really do. And I understand it. Um, and I think if, if you offer four products that are super similar in a category and it's hard to know like which one to buy, fine. But I, I just find at least a lot of the stores that we work with, you know, they don't have more than three or four products. And usually those products are in pretty different categories, right? So yeah. I think there's a time and a place for a quiz. I think, um, you know, there's a lot, always, there's always a new shiny toy in the ecosystem. Um, and I think over time, um, it'll settle down a little bit, but I, I think they're incredibly valuable for the brands that, that understand when to apply something like that. And need them as well. Like you said, I think we run the risk or the brands run the risk of just forcing one in for the sake of having all the bells whistles, but you really need to look at how that impacts your conversion rate and whether you even need one in the first place, if you've just got three or four products, like what's the purpose of using them? Yeah, for sure. Um, another question, is Privy a standalone product or does it work with an email software? Yeah, yeah, so uh, we, we offer a, a bundle in case you wanna do everything here. Um, but we also offer integrations into, you know, the the leading email software companies too. And those are great partners of ours and all the data flows automatically. Good stuff. I'm just seeing a little bit of back and forth actually between um, Jordan and um, Dylan talking about site speeds. Uh, Jordan said he's had the negative effects with Privy on site speeds and Dylan has came back with distributal. Um, are you talking about visual or maybe let's just address it because we, we can't just talk about the positives. We should deal with the difficult questions as well. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Jordan. Good question. Dylan, love, love your response. Um, anytime you add something to your site that's tracking visitor behavior and using JavaScript, um, it's going to add some amount of weight. Right. Um, I think depending on when Jordan tested us over the years, you know, we have an amazing engineering team. Uh, here in the U.S. and we invest regularly. And, you know, I, I don't think that that's uh, something that should be a concern. Um, and we continue to kind of overhaul our technologies to focus on uh, performance on top of the site. Yep, good stuff. Yep, so give Privy another chance, Jordan, and see if um, maybe you can get a year free up front from Ben. Let's talk about um, something that I'm really keen to hear your thoughts on. What brands excite you at the moment in e-commerce? Oh, wow. Whew. And what are they doing differently that makes you excited than the others? I'm a huge fan of uh, the founders that are building businesses without relying 100% on paid ads. Um, yeah. I think... Uh, there's a lot of them. I'll, I'll talk about two today. Um, and you, you've probably never heard of them, but I, you know, I, I love this. And both of them focus on community. Yeah. Uh, the first is Belladonna. Uh, mm -hmm. they're in, they're in LA, check them out. Um, and, uh, they, you know, I'm not going to say their revenue numbers, but they're amazing and they have never, bought Facebook or Instagram ads and they're very authentic. Um, they're very authentic about 
engaging with a, a target customer base, which for them is um, Latino women. And they do an amazing job with that. So that's organic social. Um, you know, check out their Instagram. You'll see it's not just pushing products. It's really about like supporting, encouraging their community. Yeah. Um, and then on the site, uh, a lot as it relates to conversion and email marketing. And I've just been amazed, right? Um, and I think what they do really well, they found a very specific customer base. They yep. serve that customer base both in community and in products uh, specific to that base better than anyone else. Um, and, you know, that's a really strong equation that can take you very far without uh, spending a lot of money on Facebook. Um, yeah. The other that, that comes to mind is is this uh, guy I was just chatting with um, and, and posted about that you you commented on. So I'll share yeah. a little bit. Um, he's he's a senior in college. Uh, he actually when we, we connected last week, he had to step out of his internship to hop on Zoom with me. And um, he's gone from zero to a million in 15 months. And you know, I, I, what I thought was really interesting is he's a drop shipper, which you don't hear a lot about drop shippers kind of getting to that scale sustainably. I um, mean, he doesn't spend a lot on Facebook um, ads. So, you know, he, what, what he does is he's doing really well on TikTok. Um, he does do some influencer paid. And what he does there is he doesn't focus on the people that have millions of followers. He focuses on two categories. One is these like theme page um, yeah. accounts that are like basketball fans um, or, you know, baseball, you know, or, or stuff like that. And then he, he targets influencers that or maybe people who don't think of themselves as influencers, but maybe have like five to 20,000 followers. And yeah. he's not paying them per post. He's actually just sending he's reaching out and sending them free product. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of his been his success story on, on TikTok and, and Instagram. Um, and then, you know, the rest has all been email. It's nice, isn't it? I think we're going to get to that point again, where people are going to have to become more creative than just relying on top of the funnel. And, you know, it's nice to turbocharge with Facebook and Instagram and Google ads, and they're very powerful. But I do think we're going to see a more considered long term play. And more creative marketing focused on, like you said, community. There has to be because it's so hard to become profitable if you just drive and one-time visits from a customer. Yeah, and on top of that, there's the um, Apple Facebook stuff brewing exactly. right now, right? Yeah. So it's actually, you know, it's going to be harder to to target on Facebook, and you know, I think that's just going to drive more of a reliance on uh, building a contact list that you own, whether yeah. that's email or text. Gareth says, dope snow is killing it. I've never heard of them a few. No, no, not, not really. Um, Charlotte says, check out Groomy. We are doing some very exciting things. Will awesome. do. Check it out. Um, Going to come back to another question from Rod. Um, have you found a conversion difference on the spin to win leads for your standard 10% off first offer? Yeah, I find, you know, there's really like a, a, a dividing line around spin to win. Like some people hate it and there's some people that are just like absolutely love it. Yeah. Um, I think there's a time and a place for it. Uh, I think 10%. So yeah, in terms of like expected benchmarks around sign up rate, 
if you just have a, a, a form that says join our email list, um, you should expect about 1% per, percent of people to, to sign up that see it. If you've yep. got something that says join our email list and get a code for 10% off, you should ex expect anywhere from 5 to 10% of people to register. And if you do something like a spin to win or enter to win our monthly giveaway, you should expect over 10% to sign up. Um, the thing that I would say around these like spin to win stuff is if you're targeting new traffic at the top of the funnel, it can be a little bit gimmicky, right? So that the quality of those subscribers is typically lower um, than just a standard like join and get 10%, but the sign up rate is higher. So it's something that you can play with. Um, where I really like spin, spin wheels are, are actually not targeting new visitors. Um, but, but yeah. I think like at the end of a season, if you've got a bunch of product left over that you want to move, I'd, I'd send an email to your loyal customer base. And I would say, hey, we're doing like a weekend sale just for our most you know valued customers and click here to kind of spin our you know VIP wheel. Um, and the only people who would see that when they hit the site are the people referred from the UTMs in the email. Yeah. Um, so you're, you're targeting just your most loyal base. It's like focused on same day sales from VIPs when you've got a bunch of product left over. Um, we've seen that uh, to be a great place to use the, the spin to win. I completely agree. Actually, there's, I think one of the problems with spin to wins is that people might find them a bit gimmicky, but they've been using them the wrong way. Like everyone knows the majority of the spin to wins, you're going to get 10% off. So if you are using them in that context, then yeah, maybe you might as well just give someone 10% off. But there's a lot, it goes back to what I was saying before. I think you can be creative, especially with returning customers and actually do give them something different than a coupon. There's there's loads of other things, um, exclusive invite to a specific community. Uh, there's, there's so many ideas if you actually sat down and thought about other things that you could give the customers, free gifts even with the next order. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, all of these things, when you kind of go under the hood, just like email, I find, you know, people spend a lot of time thinking about segmenting emails, you know, send this to that person, send this to the other group of people. Like, if you take a very similar approach to your site traffic, I think that's where you can unlock a lot of magic. So it's less about like spin wheel versus, you know, pop up versus fly out. And it's more about like, think about core groups of people that are interacting with your business yeah. and come up with something that's relevant to them that's going to um, get them over the line. Yeah, people do need to obviously think more deeply about their customer rather than just conversion. Uh, another one from Dylan going in quite deep with this one. Ben, I've heard you talk about an inflection point in your business where you were going, for a going through a challenging period, little money left, and that was followed by a strong growth period. I'm curious what shifts in the business personally drove that shift. I've read your story. It's great. So you might as well um, give you the soapbox here. Tell us it again. Shifting gears. <laughs> awesome, Dylan. Um, yeah. So this was, this was, uh, what's 2020. So this was like 2014. This was before we really um, entered e-commerce. And, and I think before anyone knew, knew who we were, obviously. So, you know, we were just kind of focused on doing the wrong, uh, focused on the wrong customer. We were focused on brick and mortar businesses at the time, a lot of restaurants, yeah. retail. So we, you know, we were doing that. We also didn't have a very like clear wedge. So we were trying to be everything to everyone. 
um, as opposed to kind of like I coach my customers and what I was saying, like doing one thing and being very specific to yep. a, a specific target customer. Um, and we made it hard to buy. Um, you had to talk to us, you had to sign contracts, you know, yep. all, all the things that now in SaaS, you know, to be wrong. Um, and so, you know, that was, that was tough. We, we were flat for many years before we found success. And what we changed was really everything. We said, okay, we need to focus on one customer instead of brick and mortar. Let's focus on e-commerce. Um, we wanted to do one thing better than anyone else. We wanted to make it easy to try and easy to buy the software. That's a big part of our philosophy today. So we've got a really strong free plan over at Privy. Um, and we wanted to make it easy for you to unlock that value by yourself without talking to anyone, if that's how you want to do it. Um, so time to value. And then the other thing that we do differently and is a big part of who we are and what differentiates us is we are focused on small brands, right? So, um, you know, sure, like there might be some big ones that come down and like the software, that's fine, but we're really here for the entrepreneur. And part of that is our support and our coaching. So even if you're on our free plan, you're going to get an amazing support experience. And, um, you know, that's something that we believe in that I think a lot of other vendors we hear. Um, it's kind of like you're screaming into the void. And, um, you know, we those are the same things that we believe in today, right? So it's, it's easy to use software that's focused on the small business. Um, mm -hmm. And it's about giving them the coaching and education that they need. Yeah, you've got a great company culture, I must say. And um, shout out to Marco, great guy. Great guy, I love him. He's awesome. He's a legend. Uh, Gareth, great advice. Audience segmentation through automated user experiences on sites. I feel as though this is a very neglected area that people should put a lot more time into. And I think it goes back to looking at returning customers and they can be so much more profitable if you just think a little bit more deeply. We do a lot of um, progressive profiling and the welcome flow, and we're trying to step this up even more than give people uh, custom properties, tag the profile, and then trying to be more granular in segmentation. So I think there's so much room for improvement in um, retargeting your current customers and just providing better experiences for them. Yeah, uh, I agree. Um, I, I also think there's a there can be too much of that. You know, yeah. like I, I think, I don't know where where your audience sits in terms of their business journey, right? But I think, um, you know, even some people listening might might just be like, "Oh my god, like it's there's so much to do. Where, where do yeah. you even start?" But yeah. you know, I, I'm just amazed that you know, like um, the this this guy Hayes that I was talking to from Jersey Bird Official, you know, he he basically has just the absolute basic email automations in place with Privy and it's driving a ton of business for him. So uh, I do think, um, you know, you got to learn, listen to our podcast, hopefully listen to, to Adam and, and magnet monsters content. He does great content. Um, but just like, just turn it on, you know? Yeah. And I think that sometimes like you just got to start uh, and then you can tweak it and get more fancy over time. I agree. I agree. So going back to um, some of the challenges with Facebook ads, the iOS rollout, and you know, well documented, done to death by now. 
Um, you mentioned before about the brands, was it Belladonna, who um, have never <clears throat> paid for an Instagram or Facebook. What do you think some of the key trends and big marketing opportunities are going to be this year? Hmm. I mean, I think we'd be fools not to talk about TikTok. Um, you know, I keep hearing uh, a lot of people finding success there. Uh, yeah. So I think that's a channel to explore for sure. Um, I'm, I'm trying to do it myself. I just joined and in, in trying to kind of post post daily. We'll see how it goes. Um, I'm not doing dancing yet, but maybe maybe next video. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, you know, really just like leaning into to some of the channels where your customers are. Um, we're what else? I think story, you know, like really taking the time to, to tell your story in yeah. a thousand different formats. Like I, I find um, a lot of founders uh, struggle to do that. Maybe they're shy in front of the camera or they just kind of think it's already baked into an about page. But I, I find like you need to, everything you do needs to be like focused and anchored around the story. Otherwise it's hard to know like why you're unique versus some brandless uh, company on Amazon that you can buy from. So. You know, yep. I think I think story. I think exploring new channels um, and, and audiences uh, that don't need paid, like like a TikTok. Um, and you know, I think what's tried and true, like you know, build community, do it in a place that you own, whether that's email, text, or organic social. Um, I think those things, even though they're not the shiniest toys in the shed, I think they're the gift that keep on giving. So at the end of this um, broadcast, you're going to pick that book behind you and do a dance for your first TikTok. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, wait, wait. There we go. <clears throat> That's right. Um, this is this is the book that we wrote. It's really just focused on uh, making making things easy to digest and and uh, for your Shopify store. It's called the e-commerce marketing handbook. How's that went, by the way? You only shipping uh, physical copies still? Yeah, yeah. Right now it's physical. We it was fun, you know, for us. So we actually wanted to, or we still are, um, just try uh, selling it directly on Shopify. Um, yeah. So so we launched a Shopify store, and we've been doing that direct, um, and it's been going really well for us. Um, you know, we we have an audience, and and a lot of it is focused on education. So I think people really ate it up. Uh, and it, it was a great way for us to kind of dog food, use our product, learn a lot, learn about the fulfillment side. Uh, I think at some point, you know, as we think about, you know, writing more books, uh, my, my team may kill me for saying that, but, um, you know, we may, we may take some other formats in digital only Kindle, things like that. Yeah. What was the thinking behind making it in print? Was it that you wanted something tangible that people can hold? Was it a bit of a marketing ploy as well? Oh, definitely. Oh, yeah. definitely. Yeah, yeah. For us, this was this was a hundred percent focused on on brand and marketing and and education, and it's been uh, it's been amazing for us. Good stuff. That's interesting. And you obviously putting the money where your mouth is as well, selling directly through Shopify. Yeah, it was fun. I mean, Dan, uh, Dan and Lauren, who are the co-authors on the book, they're amazing. Um, they they did the majority of the heavy heavy lifting, but I think they they each learned a lot about. Um, e-commerce and you know the full operation not just the marketing side i will say out of all the um software companies in e-commerce i think privy's marketing and the team does the best job on 
Um, just everything, content, education, personal branding. I think that the support system and the culture is very strong. And I think, you know, there's a lot of other companies in the industry that can learn from you guys, what you're doing. That's really kind of you to say. That's um, and I, 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 that's awesome to hear. Yeah, I think we have uh, an incredible marketing team. You do. Um, and, and it's all the way, you know, the bench is strong, it's small. And the amount that they put out is, it, it blows me away, honestly. Yep, good stuff. So Ben, tell us a little bit before we end, what's in the future for Privy this year? Oh, wow, that's a, that's a good one. Um, so yeah, I think, um, you know, maybe people listening know us for our roots around conversion, but um, over the last uh, year or so, we really uh, kind of expanded the platform a lot. Um, a big theme in the market right now is consolidation. And um, for our customers that are focused on you know, learning and looking for amazing support, we really want to uh, be email marketing and more for them, right? Every, everything they need to get to a million in sales. So I'm not going to reveal too much, but um, you can expect more on the email and tech side from Privy this year um, and a couple other things as well. I'm calling Privy to all our clients, the Swiss army knife for e-commerce. Hey, that's not bad. That's not bad. Uh, if, if you um, take that strap line, then I want some equity in the company. <laughs> that's great. I'll pitch it to Dave and see what he thinks. <laughs> ben, thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it. Obviously, I assume if people want to find out more, they can just contact you on LinkedIn. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, listen to the podcast, e-commerce marketing school, or just privy.com. Good stuff. I'm going to give you a tag in this after, but I'm going to end it here and I will speak to you soon. Cheers. Awesome. Thanks, Adam.